Hello and welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast for the 28th day of October. I'm Paul and I'm so excited about the creed and just studying it with you, talking through it, wrestling through it, looking at scriptures that affirm these glorious truths that Christians across the world for centuries have been praying, affirming, believing Again, I want to repeat something we said. I said this frequently early on. haven't said it as much lately. I get kind of in a zone. Um, I, don't, I don't think you have to be on board with all of it. It's not as if you've got to, as you read the creed or pray the creed, think, okay, I'm 100% behind that. Because I think what will happen is if we approach it that way, then we will only line up with what we 100% agree with and there'll be other things we leave out and I don't I, I think you should hold that in careful tension honestly um, I think that there there needs to be some wrestling with the things you struggle with but I think affirming them as the faith of the church is different than affirming them as um, I am 100% on board with everything that I'm saying here because honestly I don't know that that's the. I don't think that's the criteria for faith. Is I'm a hundred percent on board with everything that's going on here. A man once come to Jesus and said, um, "I I want you to heal my son. I believe, but help my unbelief." And it was his way of saying, "I I do believe, but I don't hundred percent believe." And all Jesus responded with was, "Just believe, only believe." And it wasn't as if Jesus said, well, you know, I'm not going to heal until you're 100% believe. And it's also not as if Jesus said, you know, you're right. You got some problems with belief. Let's straighten that out over the course of the next few weeks with some prayer and fasting and Bible study and then come back and pray. You go work on your faith and then come back. He doesn't do that either. He just says to the guy, only believe. And it's It seems as if what Christ is saying to the man is, you're worried about what you don't understand. I just want you to focus on what you do understand. So while you're freaking out about whether or not you believe this line or you buy into this entirely, God's not freaking out. And he's also not closed up heaven because you waffle and can't make up your mind. Instead, he says, focus on what you can believe only believe, and then that will take care of what you can't believe. And I try to approach my walk this way, that, that, Father, here's what I believe about you. Here's what I'm having a hard time believing about you, but I'm not going to let what I'm having a hard time believing about you interfere with what I believe about you. And And I think the Holy Spirit confirms over and over in my own spirit, Son, what is it you believe? Not what is it you don't believe? And that is the careful tension as far as I'm concerned. Because there are lines in the creed that as I pray the creed, I go, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about saying that. But I'm also not scared of praying it without being in on it 100%. Because I hear Jesus saying, only believe. So what do you believe? With all of that said, you would think I'm coming up on a line in the creed that I struggle with. I'm not. This is, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Today, we're kind of finishing off this right hand of the Father line. I don't have problem with this. 
Um, in fact, it's it's one of the one of the, the sort of the oldest images that I have in my Christian history, my own Christian experience of where Jesus is. If you'd asked me, even as a kid, where is Jesus? I would have said he lives in my heart, but I even had an understanding that he didn't really live in my heart. It wasn't like there was a little mini Jesus in there, but that really, this is what I would have said, he lives in my heart by faith, but he really is seated at the right hand of his father. Now, I thought for a long time that meant there was a throne in a place called heaven that was very much like a throne in a castle here and that God was sitting in one chair and Jesus was just off to his right hand in another chair. And while that might be, there may be some form of that in the realm of the spirit, that misses the point of the image right hand of the father. The right hand was the place of highest honor. And it started on the battlefield because most warriors are right-handed and they would hold their spear or their sword in their right hand and they would hold their shield in their left hand. And by shielding the left side of their body, it left the right side of their body exposed. So most kings and, and generals, when they went into battle, they would put their number one warrior, their quote-unquote right-hand man, on the right side of them during battle because that warrior was meant to defend the sword side of the king. And so the right-hand man was the man you trusted the most with your life, not just the man you trusted to give good advice, but in a literal sense, the man you trusted to save your life on the battlefield because your shield took care of the left, your right-hand man took care of the right. And that word then morphed over into the palace where the most honored individual sat at the right hand of the king. When the Bible tells us that Jesus sat at the right hand of the Father, what it's telling us is that Jesus has taken the place. By the way, that's Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. The the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, he upholds all things by the word of his power. When he himself had purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. The fact that he is seated there means he is crowned. This is a victorious statement. Let me move over to Hebrews 2 and read a little more. Listen to verses 7 and 8. You have made him a little lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor. You've set him over the works of your hands. You've put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. Verse 9, but we see Jesus. And so we do not see everything under our feet yet, but we see Jesus. And the fact that we see Jesus means that things are going under his feet, thus things are going under our feet. I may not see it all. To me, this is the process of living out the cross. I don't see everything crucified, but it doesn't mean it isn't being crucified in him. And I'm bringing that to him to be made so that it is subjected to him. In short, the phrase from the creed, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, is a statement of victory. The cross means that Jesus goes from victim to victor. And he doesn't do it by picking up the sword and killing his enemies. He does it by sitting at the right hand of his father, the place of supreme 
authority. Tomorrow on the podcast, we'll introduce the sermon that's coming up on Sunday, and we'll go to the next line from the creed, and I'll see you then. God bless.